Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we're so grateful when you walk in the room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. When you walk in the room, you I just hear him say he makes a divine exchange. If you need peace, he's ready to exchange it for your grief. If you have sorrow, he's ready to exchange it for gladness. If you have pain, he's ready to, to exchange it for healing. When he walks into the room, everything changes. So if you need something, he's ready to make an exchange with you right now. So lift up your hand to him and say, this is it. This is what I'm giving to you. And then lift up your other hand as a receiving, with both hands up receiving what he has to give you to replace it. And give it to him completely. Let him take it. Let him throw it into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, you're so amazing. You are so faithful. You're such an awesome God. We thank you, Lord, that you restore all things. We thank you for healing. We thank you for joy. Thank you for peace. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for comfort. You're so awesome. We love you so much, God. And we receive everything that you have for us right now. In your presence is fullness of joy, and we just receive your joy right now. You said that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and we receive your strength right now. I thank you that we walk out of these doors tonight, that we are going to be restored. That we're going to have the joy of our salvation restored and we're going to be strengthened with might in our innermost being so that we can go forth and do all that God has called us to do. Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your power. You're so awesome. It's so awesome how everything just disappears when you're here. Everything just vanishes. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Lord. Hallelujah. Reach over and touch the person next to you. Extend some anointing to them. Come into agreement with one another. Father, we thank you that your word says, if any two agree is touching anything, it shall be done. So I thank you for agreement in this house tonight. We agree with one another for your plans and your purposes to come to pass. I thank you for answered prayer. I thank you that you hear us. You said we call upon you and you hear us. So I thank you for answered prayer tonight. I thank you for miracles. You're so awesome. There's none like you. There's none like you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, we just thank you so much, Father, for your presence. God, you just could, I could just bask in his presence all night, couldn't you?
so good, so rich, so thick, so tangible. I'm so grateful. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. Awesome, awesome. Praise God. Well, Pastor Robert and Laura are going to be chasing a storm. Hopefully, they're going to be they're leaving Friday, and there's a hurricane headed that way. I think there's two, but one of them's like supposed to be dissipating, but there's another one called Flossy or something like that. Anyway, so hopefully they're going to get out of there. Hopefully they're not going to have to keep on going west and come all the way around to get home. Hopefully they'll find some kind of amazing escape route. But we want them to come home. Amen. Well, how many of you have your swords tonight? Get out your Bibles. Hallelujah. So I feel like most of my Sunday school class is in here, so I'm going to try not to overlap too much about what we've been talking about. But Brother Lex did such a great job last Wednesday, if you were here, so awesome. And then my honey, Sunday morning, our military guys, and so I'm a military wife, and so I have a little bit of that, but not much understanding, a tiny bit, enough to get me in trouble, I would say. I was talking to Dwayne a little bit about before I left, I'm like, yeah, never mind, I don't want to even talk about that. Because I know I'd have to get one of them up here to explain it all after I make a mess of it. So anyway, I was just meditating about this a few days ago, and uh, this is what the Lord told me. He said, it's your job every day to get up and foil the plans of the enemy. That's your job. every time. You know, and we've heard, we've heard people say, it's like, we want when, when we wake up for the devil to say, oh my God. They're awake again. Their feet have hit the ground. But our job is to get up and foil the plans of the enemy. So, of course, I had to go and look up the word foil is because when I think of foil, I think of aluminum foil that you roll out and put on the grill. But foil means to prevent from succeeding, to frustrate the efforts. And there's one more here. Yeah. To frustrate the efforts or the plans of someone. So your job every morning when you get up is to figure out how you're going to foil the plans of the enemy against your life and against your family and against anybody that you come in contact with. So we have to kind of recognize who our enemy is, right? Because we, we know that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. It's not your neighbor. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. It's not your kids. It's not whoever. That's not who our enemy is, amen? So let's get our Bibles out and turn to Luke 4.13. So Jesus was our example. And in Sunday school, we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer. And uh, Jesus is the one who who taught us how to pray. But in in Luke 4.13, actually, I have to give Larry benefit for this because this is something that he brought brought out to me. And so now I'm just like all over it. So in Luke 4... This is where uh, Jesus is, has just been baptized in the Jordan, and it's in verse 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So God led him into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. It seems like we kind of think he was only tempted for like three days or for three times, but It says he was tempted for 40 days. And in those days, he ate nothing, so he was fasting the whole time. And afterward, when they had ended, when they had ended, so apparently the temptations had 
come to an end like he'd been tempted for 40, 40 days straight, tempted. Because the Bible says that he was tempted in every way that we're ever going to be tempted because he knows. So now he knows how to, he knows how to uh, intercede for us because he knows how we're being tempted, right? There's nothing he, did, he wasn't tempted in, so he knows how we're feeling when we're being tempted. And when they had ended, he was hungry, and so then the devil tempts him. Uh, I mean, the devil comes to him and he says, well, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Right? So the devil's throwing the word back in his face. And then, Je- uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So he's being tempted by the devil to uh, turn the, the stones into bread. I'm sorry. But the devil, so this whole time the devil's saying all these different things. He's using the word in verse 8. He uses the word, uh, and I'm sorry. In verse 10, it's, the devil says, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. This is where he was using the word uh, against against Jesus. The devil saying, hey, well, if this is what it says, then why don't you just go ahead and do this? And then Jesus says, well, it's written that you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 13, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So the 40 days wasn't enough. The devil's like, I'm coming back for you. I'm coming back for you. You think you're off the hook now. You think you've passed everything. I'm going to do it. But guess what? I'm coming back to you. And you know when he was in the garden, when Jesus was in the garden before they came and got him? Don't you know that that was one of the biggest temptations for him? He was in such deep human sorrow and pain, knowing what he was going to have to go through for us. Can you imagine the temptation? Because he even told him, he's like, remember when he was talking to the guys, he's like, I can call down a legion of angels right now. You guys don't even know what you're doing. It's like, I got this. But can you imagine the pain that he was feeling in the garden when he was going to the Father saying, you know what, really, I'm thinking about this. And and if there's any way, is there any way that we can, that this can pass? I'd really like for that. He asked him three times. But he knew the answer. He knew what he had to do. And he passed every single test. And he went through everything for us. He put the devil under his feet. And guess where we are? We're with him. And guess where the devil is? He's under your feet. But the devil's going to come to you and he's going to say, well, does it really say that? Let's look at um, 2 Corinthians 2.11. I'm reading everything out of New King James just because that's this is this is the one you know where you just know where everything is. Like there's the coffee stain, there's the torn page, there's where Easton wrote across my Bible and marker. Yeah, I know where that is. Second Corinthians two. Um, well, let's read verse ten. It says, "Now whom you forgive anything." This is. Uh, Paul talking to the Corinthians. Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for sake, for your sake in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. It says we're not ignorant of his devices. But before that, he's talking about forgiveness. You get that? He's talking about forgiveness. I have forgiven that one for your sake. In other words, I'm not taking that person's offense for you. I'm letting it go too. You forgive and I'm going to forgive and, we're, and everything's going to be good because 
lest Satan take advantage of you. So do you think that unforgiveness is a way that Satan can take advantage of you and get you off track? Yeah. So, but we're not ignorant of his devices, and that word devices also mean thoughts. Um, 1 Peter 5.8, most of you know this one, 1 Peter 5.8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So the devil's going about, I mean, I don't... The devil himself isn't, but there's been assignments against each one of you to try to trip you up and to get you, get you off, and, and, and they know. They are keen to your weaknesses. They just are looking for just a slip. Just give me a crack. Just give me a crack in the door. They're watching. They're waiting. He is seeking whom he may devour. And that word devour doesn't mean take a little snack. It means take you down, take you out. It says, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood. So uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that no temptation has overtaken you, but that which is common to man. But God is faithful, and he will provide a way of escape for you. So my prayer in this whole thing is that we recognize, we recognize the tactics of the enemy before they ever get to us. And so when, I, when you're talking about military and going into the military, these guys are, are taught things in the classroom so that they can recognize things when they get out there. It's not like they just get to, okay, I'm going to give you your fatigues and your gun and your hat and your boots, and you go, okay, then we're going. We're going out. No. Intense training. Every single day, the same thing over and over and over. I mean, Dwayne was on the bomb squad. They had to know how to defuse a bomb. And not just one bomb. They had to know about all the different bombs. Well, do you think I want my husband going out into a minefield with just like, okay, here's your fatigues, here's your boots, here's your gun. Go, go, go out there and see what you can do with those wires. No. No, it takes training. Lots and lots of training, and that's what we're doing. When you guys come to church, and you may think, oh, I'm hearing this over and over and over. No, guess what? Every single time you come and you hear more, you're going to receive more. It's training. It's training. And so the thing that they do is they keep doing it over and over and over. So guess what? When something happens, you respond the same way every single time. You don't have to think about it. It's just a habit. It's just what you do. And that's how it needs to be with us. It's just what you do. You recognize him. You resist him, steadfast in the faith. Well, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So what's happening today? You're strengthening your faith. You're getting faith today. You're getting faith when you listen to the podcast. You're getting faith when you come to church, when you read your Bible, when you do the plan. Faith is being developed so that when that temptation comes or when that test comes, you respond the same way every single time. So finally, he's going to be like, God, I'm tired of having my head beat in with this. I'm going somewhere else for a while. But guess what? He comes back. He'll come back. It may be a year. It may be five years. But he'll come back and say, I wonder, wonder where that spot is. I wonder if, that, if there's a crack there today. He will do it. You all know I'm, ta- I'm telling you the truth. Okay, Ephesians 6.10. (laughs) 
Ephesians 6 is such a great chapter, just from the top to the bottom. Verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So who are you strong in? You're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that word wiles also means his schemes. So you have to have the armor on. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So our war, our battle, is not against people, right? We may get mad at people, but the battle's not against the people. It's against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Do you think we're standing in the evil day today? Yeah, but it's our job to stand, and we're to stand side by side. That's what the word says. We're standing side by side, contending with a single mind for the faith of the glad times of the gospel. That's when, who was here to hear Dwayne's message about the platoon number three? <laughs> They're all supposed to be standing there side by side, right? But someone's missing. And we're, when you're in an army and there are people missing, people get hurt. Stuff happens because everyone has a job to do. And we're all part of God's army. You're a soldier whether you like it or not. When you said yes to Jesus, he says, in. You're in my army. Come on. Put your boots on. Put your hat on. Pull up your sword. We're going to battle. You're in a battle whether you like it or not. You can stick your head in the sand and say, well, I really don't like to fight. I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. I love people. I just want to be a lover. I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight an enemy that I can't see. But we have to. If you want to be victorious in this life, you have to pick up your sword. You have to find out what it says about you and your family and your circumstances and your life and your job and your businesses. You have to find out what it says. This is your sword. This is how you fight. I love the song. This is how we fight our battles. Worship is the greatest way to fight. The devil hates worship. He hates your praise. So if you're feeling down or depressed or low or agitated or angry, and you can just put on a praise song and start singing it, just start singing it. Just start singing it. The ultimate battle was won for us because of Jesus, but he has given us the authority to walk it out and bring it to pass. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. You'll have to keep an eye on the clock for me. This is one of the ones that I never got to in Sunday school, but I really, 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 really love it. It's kind of the same thing, but I kind of got a little bit of teach here. Um, one of the other things the Lord told me was, when we let our light shine, in Matthew 5, 16, it says, let your light shine before others such a way that they see your good works, and it brings God glory, that when you do that, it's shining a light on the devil so you can clearly see how to foil his plans. You're illuminated, and so it's almost like when you're illuminated with the word of God that it shines a light on him. It's just like, like can you go in a dark room and light one match? And you light one match, you can see everything in that room with that one light. Right? 
So when we consider ourselves a light in the spiritual realm, and we're illuminated, the Bible says, Hebrews 10, la, 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 it's in Hebrews 10, I can't remember what it is exactly, but it says that once you've been illuminated, that you may go endure some trials, because guess what? In the spiritual realm, you become a target. It's like, ding, 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 lights. Lights are shining over there. Living Waters Church is bright lights. So guess what happens? The devil comes immediately to steal the word, right? That's what it says. He's, he comes immediately to see if he can steal the word from you. So what's going to happen? You're going to go outside. Who knows? Start bickering with your spouse. Go outside. You have a flat tire. I mean, stuff happens, right? And that's the way to steal the word. You get home and there's a voicemail and it's not pleasant. And it's a way for the devil to steal the word. It's all about the word. Because that's what illuminates you. And if he can illuminate, if he can, if he can put a cap on your light, then he wins. So we have to find a way to keep that light burning and bright, right? The word of God. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 10.3. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, here we go, that word mighty again, mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Okay, so, la, 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 la. for the weapons of our warfare, let's see, I was doing a little word search here. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war, that word war means to contend with carnal inclinations. So we're not, it's not a fleshly thing. It's like, what's going on between the ears here? This is what we're dealing with. The weapons of our warfare are, are tools used offensively for war. And you know when you look at the armor of God, the only offensive weapon that you have is your sword. Everything else is to cover and protect you. Protect your mind, protect your heart, protect, you know, your loins to protect your feet. I mean, it's all protection except for your sword, right? And guess what? There's nothing for the backside. So there's no turning around, right? You have to have each other's back, right? So we're holding our swords up, but you can't be turning around because the armor is here, right? We've got to have each other's back. We've got to fight with each, we've got to fight for each other, not with each other. Okay, so um, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And that's the word stronghold means fortified like a castle. So we're pulling down something that is fortified like a castle. How many of you have seen the old castles over in England and Ireland and over there? Like fortified like a castle, that's what strongholds are. But we have weapons that are able to pull those things down. So when we have, when we think about a castle pulling down a stronghold or a castle, it's something that has, how long do you think it took those castles to be built? How long? Huh? Years. Years. And so when we think about pulling down strongholds, how long did it take these strongholds to get built? Probably from the time you were able to take a thought as a child. And so what the devil does is he starts, you take the thought, 
And then he helps you build on it. Like, let's say you're, um, well, like, for example, um, when I was in kindergarten, um, we lived in Colorado, and my teacher didn't want me to be left-handed. She wanted to change that. And so she would tie my left hand behind my back and make me write right-handed. And it, no, no, because my mom became an advocate and went up there and had a conversation with the teacher and told her that I would surely be left-handed and that she would allow me to work with my left hand. But it did something on the inside of me. It impacted me here. And so over time, it was like things would happen that would prove to me that the, this is not a left-handed world. Scissors were not made for left-handed people. There's things that are not made for left-handed people. And so it was like I just something happened on the inside of me. It got fortified over time, over time, over time. To where, I mean, I know this is silly, but when I broke my wrist, y'all remember when I broke my wrist? I broke my left wrist, both bones, couldn't use it, had to have surgery, big deal, couldn't use my left hand, happened to use my right hand, and something happened on the inside of me about that, because I was, I was really mad at God about it. I'm like, man, where's my angels? I'm like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not happy about this at all. I'm like, where's my angels? How, how come I did this? I fell going out to feed the chickens in the dark. I fell over a trap that we were trying to catch a coon with, and I didn't see it, and I fell over it, and just like, snapped, got up, went to my daughter-in-law's. I was supposed to watch my kids. I'm like, mm, I don't think I'm going to get to watch the babies today. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you're going to work with me today. And so anyway, long story short, through that whole thing, the Lord brought me around to this whole thing with this teacher and about some stuff that I had been fortifying my life with that wasn't godly. So I'm saying is that I'm not, God uses all things together. He works all things together for good. Through that whole situation, I went through a freedom prayer, and he set me free. Like, I mean, he did something on the inside of me that it was like a castle that came tumbling down. Like, it imploded. You know how you do those things with those huge buildings, and they put all that stuff in there, the dynamite and all that, and then all of a sudden it just goes, whoop. That's what happened. That's what I saw. Like, it imploded, and it was like, no more. It was the most amazing thing. So I'm just saying, sometimes we, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down those strongholds. And sometimes, depending on how old you are, you may have a fortified castle going on inside your brain that God wants to pull down because he wants you to be all that you can be. Okay. Then it says, casting down arguments. That word casting down means to lower with violence, to demolish. And so that's when I think about that. What's it called when you implode a building like that? What's that called? Demolition. Is that what it is? Anyway, I, that's just what I picture when I see this. When you're casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So I feel like what happens is, is that all we have to do is take a thought and the devil will run with it and he will try to just get you to keep on, feed on that thought. Think about it. 
then you're going to start talking about it. And then you're going to start acting on it. And then all of a sudden, he's got you. And then he can go on to the other thing because you're already in your castle. He wants, Jesus wants us free. That's what he died and paid for. And that's what he is sitting in heaven, always making intercession for us. Always making intercession for us. This is my last scripture in Isaiah 59, 16. This was, uh, oh my gosh, I was just like doing my daily reading and this just popped out at me. Actually, it's not my last scripture, but uh, let me see if I can find the other one. Isaiah 59. Let me see if I can find the other one real quick too. I think so. Okay. So in Isaiah 59, it, in uh, the last part, well, 15 and 16, it says, so truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Not that part. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own, his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. So what it says he saw that there was no man to stand in the gap, like there's no man to intercede. He's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm bringing forth it myself. And so if you look at Hebrews uh, chapter 3, well, I guess it's, uh, la, 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 la. let's go to Hebrews 2, 17. It says, therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, talking about Jesus, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for that he himself had suffered being tempted, he's able to aid those who are tempted. Chapter 3, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. So he is the one who is making intercession for us. Okay, let's see here. Um, Hebrews 4, 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted in all points. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time, of, in time of need. So Jesus is the intercessor now. Jesus is 24-7 interceding for you. He knows you because he created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. And then our job is to be co-intercessors with him. So when Jesus lays somebody on your heart, or the Father lays somebody on your heart, and you're just randomly going down the road, and somebody's face comes to your mind, that's not random. That is God. That is the Holy Spirit. And that's part of our job in the army, is, to, is who's out of rank? Who's not in place? Who's not here? We all need to be here, standing side by side, contending with a single mind for the faith of the glad times of the gospel. That's what we're called to do. We have to be focused. We have to know what we're called to do. We can't be looking to the right and to the left. We can't be looking at the person who offended us and think, oh my gosh, I really don't like that person right now. We have to understand it's not them. It's not them. 
The devil's trying to get you off track and off base so that you will not fulfill your destiny. That is the bottom line. That's what he wants to do. Trip you up and get you off into the ditch. Anywhere just so that you're not fulfilling your destiny. That's his goal. If he can't take you to hell, at least what he wants to do is to get you tripped up so you're not fulfilling your call so that when we get to heaven, Jesus can look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. It's all yours. Here's your reward. I mean, we're all going to enter into heaven, aren't we? But don't we want to hear those words when we get there? We don't want to just slide in and go, okay, I'm going to go to the back of the line. I'm going to go to the back of the line. Just hope nobody sees me. I'm, I'm in. Yes. No. We want to make Jesus proud because of what he did for us. He gave his life. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could be empowered to live in this life supernaturally and by might, with the, with the might of God, with the power of God. We don't have to do it on our own. He says, you called me, and I'm going to answer you, and I'm going to show you great and mighty things you don't know. I'm going to do this with you. We're going to be co-creators with God. He's like, let's do this together. Does that sound good? Let's be co-creators with God. Amen? Okay, let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word. I'm just so grateful, God, that your word will not return void without accomplishing what you sent it for it to do. I thank you so much for everything that we've grabbed a hold of by your spirit today, and I thank you that as we go forth, that, Lord, it's, we're going to hang on to it, that the devil's not going to steal it when we walk through the doors, that we're going to walk in it, and that we're going to let our light shine before others in such a way that they see our good works, and it brings you glory. Lord, I just bless every single person here, and I thank you for them, and I ask you to just bring them back safely on Sunday, and then we can all worship together again. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.